Welcome to Experts Only Podcast, sponsored by Clean Capital. You can learn more at cleancapital.com. I'm your host, John Powers. Each week, we explore the intersection of energy, innovation, and finance with leaders across the industry. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome back to Experts Only Podcast. I'm your host, John Powers. And today, we have a really interesting conversation with the Executive Director of Citizens for Responsible Energy Solutions, Heather Reams. Cress is a Writers Center nonprofit based in D.C., and it focuses on engaging conservatives and Republicans on issues of climate and clean energy. Uh, they are hosting their fourth National Clean Energy Week. You can learn more at nationalcleanenergyweek.org. And this annual conversation is focused on highlighting uh, the progress of clean energy and helping to communicate the need for action. Uh, so for those of us in the industry, it's really important to be part of this conversation. And again, I challenge you to go to nationalcleanenergyweek.org. And you, what we learn from Heather, not only about the progress that's being made in Washington, but also ways to help communicate to a conservative audience and how to get some Republicans to take action on issues that we care about. So thanks to Crest for helping to put this together. And I hope you enjoy the conversation. Heather, thanks so much for joining us at Experts Only. Hey, great to be with you. Really excited to talk about the work you all are doing uh, to help educate and engage uh, conservatives and Republicans on clean energy. But before doing that, I, I want to step back and talk a little bit about you. Uh, before we sort of joined, you told me you grew up in Virginia Beach. What sort of got you interested in, in politics and, and, and advocacy? Well, you know, Virginia Beach is 200 miles south of Washington, D.C. So I would come up to D.C. as a kid and was really captivated by these majestic buildings and what went on in them. Um, I, Virginia is also rich in history. We've got Williamsburg, course, Jamestown yeah. nearby. And um, I really liked the history as well. Um, so as you get older and, you know, you're, you know what are you going to be when you grow up? Um, kind of junior year, senior year of high school, I really took a liking to, you know, maybe this, what does this look like with something in Washington? A, a government class in my senior year kind of sealed the deal. Wow. And with that, I participated with, you know, some uh, fundraising opportunities with um, those who were running for office and just thought it was exciting. And it had so many facets, whether it's the communication side, the political side, the policy side, and it, it mattered. That was the other thing. It mattered. Um, yeah, of course. You know, affecting, affecting change in some way. I feel like it was, it was purpose-driven. So um, I dove in. And then so you ended up going to school at University of Washington and focusing on political science. And then did you move, uh, did you intern on the Hill? Like what, what drove you to the Hill and sort of get, get, getting deeper on the, uh, the policy side? Yeah, so I um, interned for a senator from Washington State, uh, Senator Slade Gordon, who actually yeah. just passed away. And um, had the honor of meeting him, amazing guy, terrific guy, and um, you know, a Republican from Washington State, too. So he really had a, a pragmatic right. approach that I really didn't appreciate at the time. <laughs> um, you know, being just trying to get myself through school, and I put myself through school. So, um, taking an internship meant I also wasn't getting paid, right. so I had to pull out some extra loans to make sure I could, I could participate. But I thank goodness I did because that really sealed the deal that I did want to go um, to Washington. I wasn't going to stay in Seattle uh, and go to grad school, which was an option. I also was offered a job in Senator Gordon's office full time and decided, no, I want to go to Washington and 
see where the action is. And right. it was an easy enough move um, since I was from Virginia. So I just started blanketing the hill with resumes, like every other kid That's who awesome. wants to get a job on the hill. Right. Outstanding. And you ended up working for the senator from New Hampshire, Bob Smith. Yeah, Bob Smith in New Hampshire. So uh, I was in Washington State. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a conservative. And being at the University of Washington, I was one of a handful of conservatives, especially in my poli sci classes where you can imagine it got heated discussions and a lot of uh, yeah. difference of opinions. So I wanted to go to a super conservative member. That was what I wanted. I wanted a really conservative member. So I, I found a ranking, I think, in you know National Review or you know, Weekly Standard, somebody, and uh, started going down the list and prioritizing members by who was the most conservative and applying. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Did you focus originally on communications? Was there a policy area you focused on when you started? Like, where did you start to cut your teeth? I wanted, I wanted to be a lobbyist eventually in some way. So when you start on the Hill, especially in a senator's office, they, you know, relegate you to the mail room. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I was in the mail room. But in that, you know, of course, you feel like you should be, you know, making policy at the age of 22. You also recognize that, you know, in the mail room, you're reading about everything. Of course. You become... Yeah. And you, and you start to learn about the things that you care about or you have more of an interest in and things you don't. Um, you start to like, listen in on floor speeches or committee hearings that you like a little more. You start hanging out with you know, different staff people who have this expertise. So I, I liked a lot of things. Uh, you know, it, was, it, was, it was a smorgasbord of <laughs> policy, bet, really. Yeah. So you know, I, I thought I would just maybe get in on the lobbying side at some point and, you know, let it, let's let it flow. So that was, you know, I eventually left the Hill to start lobbying. Cause I thought these guys came in in slick suits and nice dresses. And, right. Of course. Yeah. You know, and fancy in a lot of those and hand, handbags. And uh, I thought, well, wow, that's, you know, yeah. that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> why don't I do that? <laughs> right. I actually got interested. I mean, when I first got interested in clean energy, I, I came to it in climate from a national security perspective and John Warner had just retired from Virginia. And the first time I, so I had a chance to testify to the Senate and I, I testified with Warner and uh, he sort of adopted me and uh, he and I did a bunch of work together for a few years. And it was just really interesting to see someone with his background come into these climate conversations and, you know, your traditional sort of environmental community wasn't exactly sure how to handle it. I mean, he was the former chairman of the Armed Services Committee. He was such a beautiful messenger on these topics and helped drive some such such significant change because of the way he sort of brought his message forward. Well, you and I shared that in common with the, with the Senator, because uh, when I mentioned my high school engagement with some politics in Virginia and being from there, he was there. No. Okay. Um, and he, he was there and it was just amazing. My first time I had met um, a sitting Senator and, you know, at 17, 16, 17 years old, it was, um, I was in awe. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I was in my thirties and I was in awe. <laughs> so I got it. <laughs> I had a, I had the I had come to the Pentagon to an Army Energy Conference after I'd taken the job in the Pentagon, and I don't think I realized how respected he was by the military until I was walking. I got a chance to walk him around, and all of these four-star generals were coming out to to pay their their dues to to him. It was just really amazing sight to see. So, where in this path did you get interested in clean energy? The clean energy issues. You know, later in my career, I'll say, um, and I have worked on a number of issues, um, being a, a public policy or public affairs um, professional. Right. Um, 
what, what struck me, I mean, one of the things I've done in my career is bridge finding ways for Republicans and Democrats to come together. I mean, I myself am a conservative, but for instance, I've done a lot of work on education reform where there is, you know, how can we get things done together? And this issue seems to be one of those issues, climate, clean energy, where we, we, there are, are there are opportunities. And, um, and similar, similarly with education, um, the dialogue has been uh, very much um, controlled, but you allow voices coming from the left right, um, right. through teacher unions and others. So you know, what is the voice of the right and how can they come into play? What does more compromise look like and how can all boats rise? So that's a lot of my background, but I'll tell you what I really got interested um, is becoming a mom. Hmm. Um, and I've got children who are now 11 and 11 going on 21, it feels like, but 11 yeah. <laughs> and, and, and almost six. Wow. And there's just something about, you know, passing on you know, to the yeah. next generation and a responsibility that makes this work now more personal as, you know, and also it's professional work but it makes yeah, it more personal about what, what, what you're doing. Um, and it, it's also seeing how being a conservative woman and mother um, also has its, you know, being that, uh, being a, know, just a, a voice out there that's a woman and women care about these issues. Yeah, of course. Um, major voting block and, and how can conservative women be bringing their voice forward? I mean, I'm working with you know all conservatives, but I think the women do have a, important part to play. We're the ones, you know, big, you know, we care about the health of our children. We're raising our children for the most part, not singularly, but you know, we're, we're got an eye on that. A lot of us, right. Um, even if we do work full time. <laughs> yeah. Right. So especially um, today when many of our kids are at home, have to do school. Yeah, as well. it, yes, right? exactly. So, uh, anyway, so that's, that's really where it, it's in the last, um, you know, few years has really many years have blossomed into something that's both, um, professionally and, and personally rewarding. Yeah, interesting. And so, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit about the the organization you lead, Citizens for Responsible Energy Solutions, because you you said about being sort of the voice of the right on these issues. I think what you guys have done so well, and I'll let you talk more about it here in a second, is 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 take these issues that that so many Americans care about and find ways to communicate and educate and advocate for folks that maybe aren't traditionally as comfortable on these issues or understand them as a way that you can bring a, a unique voice. So what, you know, what drove your interest in the organization? And if you talk to for the audience who aren't as familiar with Crest, sort of the yeah. mission and what you all do. Yeah. So um, Crest, Crest is a, a nonprofit organization in Washington, DC. I'm the executive director of it. We engage Republican policymakers about conservative solutions to address our nation's need for abundant, reliable, and affordable energy, but also we want to preserve the environment through this process, and we want to maintain America's competitive edge. So from a conservative standpoint, we would see some policies that have been proposed by um, the left of center to be too, too heavy-handed on mandates and can have a detrimental effect an impact on jobs or the economy. So we're looking to create more of a balance between the economic, energy, and environmental needs of our nation. Um, I mean, everyone will say that, right? They want to do sure, that. But, uh, but I think with Republicans, we'll have it. It's more woven in to our policies. We don't say this is just our environmental policies. Um, conservation is a part about what Republicans have done. Um, 
and have been for, for, for generations. Um, many always point back to Teddy Roosevelt, but, um, the EPA was created under Nixon. Right. So, um, you know, let's forget. So, you know, getting the politics out of it and looking at just the policies, where do Republicans, how do they want to engage? Um, and they do, I think we've just, the messenger and the message has been off for a, a period of time. Now we've gotten off track and who suffers? Well, or, you know, our planet, we right. all, and we all will. So, you know, getting us back to a, a navigating to a common sense place. And, um, and we're all about rises. What do we want to do? Yeah. And what you guys focus on in, in terms of, is a lot of education and advocacy for specific topics to these policymakers and, and how do you sort of go about doing that? Yeah. So a lot of it is, you know, when I started working, um, a lot has changed in the last, the last four or five years. Um, first of all, if you said the term climate change to a Republican member, they went running down the hall, right, so right, right. hair on fire. You can't do that. And that, that's changing in the last couple of years, but you know, it's it really was starting about the economic message about the value of clean energy, the number of jobs it brings in, into a state or district. And that's not just the energy generation, but it's also the other kinds of jobs that are there, the manufacturing, uh, the shipping, there's, there's just a, a lot that's there. So when you can go and talk to a, a member of Congress from an oil and gas state, uh, let's say from Louisiana, and um, then talk about the importance of the ports in Louisiana and New Orleans and others, and what comes through there in terms of supplies and parts and how important the shipping is for that it becomes a different conversation. You're not having a conversation about which kind of energy is better. You're having a conversation that's about economic development. Of course, yeah. And it, it changes the dynamic of the engagement. And it and that framing matters. And that's why I think we've been able, we and others like Cress have been able to move the needle with Republicans. And you see much more support from Republicans than you ever had because we're getting out of the which energy is better conversation. Interesting. And so in those conversations, um, you know, you talked a little bit about the, the economic impact, like what do you find is the most, imp- so if, if I'm going to turn to an audience member that say maybe a, a solar developer in, in Georgia or South Carolina, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how, what are the messages they should be taking in to their, you know, conservative or Republican lawmakers to help them build the support to get good sort of clean energy policies out there? Uh, certainly, number one point to the jobs, on the yeah. job creation and the potential for jobs, especially if a piece of legislation is holding it back or a tax credit that needs to be renewed, for instance, what it would mean in terms of jobs um, and right. economic impact. So that's number one. That's, I mean, that's like number one and two, <laughs> let's put it that way. Um, right. Also, sure, that, sure. That, that, you know, if a lot of members tell us they're all the above, right? Which means right. they like all kinds of energy. Well, solar is in all the above. Right. Yep. So we're like, right. We, we're part of that. So in competition and having different energy sources and choices for consumers is good. And the likelihood of the competition lowering the price for consumers is good. So all the above and the consumer costs piece of it. I think the other piece is the what can be um, the energy innovation, the advanced technology, um, the research and development pieces that are going into this, into universities, into that industry is putting in there into the jobs. We were especially thinking about university systems and whatnot. But the idea of energy innovation, this is the future. Um, we're, this is, we're thinking about the future. People like me are innovators and investors. And 
it's just, it's where the industries are going. And Wall Street's there or industry's there. We're helping policymakers get there as well and yeah. um, get good ROI you know, for the taxpayer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is definitely, it, it, no longer is this a uh, emerging market, the clean energy market. It's a, it's a mainstream play where you have significant capital moving from, the, from all versions of Wall Street to institutional investors into the space. And it, it, what's interesting is you have, from a state perspective, some very strong, you know, I think about Charlie Baker in Massachusetts, mm-hmm. uh, 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 the governor of South Carolina, mm-hmm. Virginia, even though it's a, a democratic state, has traditionally been a pretty conservative, just passed some really groundbreaking clean energy, um, clean energy policies, getting a, a, a group like Dominion to actually move on these right. issues. You know, it's, it's really fascinating to see this emergence that's happening. If we could flash ahead, I, I talk a lot of this show about 2030, because mm-hmm. I think the next 10 years are so critical for us to, to solve uh, these, these climate challenges. Like, what do you sort of see over the next 10 years in the conservative space to help move these issues forward? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty big advocate on, you know, you know taking advantage of opportunities, right? Um, we're in a political, you know, wandering right now, I guess, leading up to the yeah. election. But we also are in a, you know, kind of a disastrous situation in dealing with COVID. And I think there's um, some opportunity to talk about community preparedness and, and what that means. And, you know, beyond the solar and thinking about, you know, CHP or different kind of microgrids or distributed energy. And we've got Hurricane Sally just having hit the Gulf and we've sure, had a of number of hurricanes this year. The fires out West. I think that the electorate, and I think as a result of the policymakers, are in tune to how to plan for the future, right? I think there's a there's more of that, and I'm not saying it's the it's the it's the climate change and it's the Celsius type of, of argument because I don't know if that's as effective as how are we planning for the future and this is a role that's appropriate role for government. So I, I see that as a very big lens right now over the next couple of years that that needs to be an undergirding, and it's becoming just more and more. Um, uh, apparent to me, especially as we just see one challenge to our nation after the other yeah. <laughs> coming our way. So that that's one piece I, I think is important. I think the other is you know, how do we get out of the um, picking because you're picking winners and losers, and I don't mean that in terms of of the energy generation, but also of things being more tech neutral. So who know that we'd be using Zoom? Right. We are even a year ago, right, or anything much less an iPhone 10 years ago, you don't know. And that's the whole the, the exciting part about innovation is we don't know where it's going. But having something more tech neutral, um, I think frees up uh, Congress to, and members to make decisions about getting out of what they're for. Um, and there's, when those members need that, that they need to be pro-solar, but they also can be pro all the above. Right, um, right, right. So, and giving giving that more tech neutral approach, I think, is there. We also, unfortunately, have a problem um, with some members of the Republican Party on tax credits. And you know, is there you know a giveaway? Right? It's considered a government giveaway. When this is actually proven to show it's spurring um, good innovation investment. So, I don't know how we get out of that. That yeah, and jobs. Yeah. Like, how do we get out of that? Um, you know, line of of what's the appropriate role for government? But it is in showing the success stories, I think we need some more education there about how to move forward. But yeah. those are some opportunities that I see. 
Well, I, you know, part of it, and we're going to talk here for a sec, for in a second about National Clean Energy Week. But yes. you know, one of the things that I that uh, we talk a lot of the show is about. Uh, you know, my background is in policy, but I actually got into the finance space. And actually, there's not a lot of policymakers that understand finance and the ability mm-hmm. to actually, in this next phase of policies around clean energy, is how to unleash the market. I mean, there's really great, there's really a, a significant amount of progress right now in the sort of ESG space right now, where there's mm-hmm. significant funds moving at sort of record numbers every quarter. And I mean, the the head of uh, research at Morningstar actually just reported recently that. During this economic downturn, sustainability investing, so investing in things like clean energy, has not taken a downturn. The numbers continue to be positive and it's mm-hmm. making its way through a recession. And we're going to come out of the back end with more capital moving in this market. So how do you unleash that capital in a way that is, I think, interesting? You said it may be tech neutral, but really, like it's not all about the public dollar, right? It's about unleashing these private dollars to get some of the stuff moving forward. For sure. And, you know, I, I think it's also, this is what is, I, I've, I've observed on Capitol Hill over the last four and five years is the message and the messenger. So a good message sure. about, right. And then the messenger who's coming through is someone who's had an association who used to work for a democratic member of Congress. Right. So they've already had that lens of, right. you know, at a trade association, for instance, doing that. And I think we do need to have more of the, um, you know, people who probably your, your, your listeners, um, coming together and, and briefing members. And it's something certainly my organization would love to be part of. Um, and being that new voice, new kind of voice and getting out of the same old, same old with trade associations. There's nothing wrong with trade associations, but I do gap. And the, the messengers um, sometimes are not going to be the right people to bring forward to Republican policymakers. It's just a fact. No, it's a fact. And I think having people who can, having been on the other side of the table, when you can come and say, we own a project in your district, it's way more powerful than the, the head of a, uh, or nothing against lobbyists because I know you you come with the Oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It's way yeah, more yeah. powerful than the person you saw the week before pitching another issue. So, let, so let's go to National Clean Energy Week for a second, which is a really yes. amazing initiative and really focused on, and you have such a breadth of sponsors. Talk a little bit about why you guys started National Clean Energy Week, sort of what's the purpose, um, and you know how do you, you know, you have such a, a, an array of folks involved uh, in this. Yeah, so um, I came to Crest, and, and when you're you know coming on as the the new director, you're supposed to bring in all these good ideas with you, right? Too, right? Fresh ideas, <laughs> and you know you look at you kind of assess right what's what's there. So it's like okay, well, where's the awareness week for clean energy? And you have people around you saying, well, there's there's Earth Day. I'm like, ah, we're Republicans. Earth Day, you know? Right, right. How do you know <laughs> what, what? Where can Republicans engage if we know that? There's a you know some political challenges maybe with Earth Day, yep. and there's a day or awareness week or month for like everything right down to donuts and martinis. So right. um, I couldn't find one for clean energy or for really renewable energy. Just couldn't find anything um, absent. Um, you know, there's Climate Week um, and looking at that, but just clean energy. This is in 2017 when we have a, a new administration just being coming into play. Um, and with Trump and a lot of questions and new secretaries and a lot of talk about the economy and jobs. And I thought economy, jobs, and clean energy. This is, this is where it's at. This is, this is the dialogue. This is it. So um, we pulled together 
I talked to a few friends at trade associations, the ones I said, you know, <laughs> sometimes aren't the right. best messengers. But for this, you know, looking like this is the Solar Association, here's the Wind Association, and um, and making it also Big Tent. Who's interested in lowering emissions? That, that's who's interested in Washington about lowering emissions. Nuclear is into that, right? So Big Tent, getting out of the politics and just thinking about Big Tent lowering emissions. And we created a steering committee um, that are now with Crest Forum. Um, which is our C3 arm and uh, 12 other organizations created the steering committee. And we had a number of calls. First of all, they're like, who are you? And what do you want? (laughs) And it's like, I really just want you to help me build this. Help me, help me create panels, help me bring people to the table. And um, we, you know, people were kind of like, we'll see it. We believe it, but now we're in our fourth year yeah. Um, and it gets bigger and better every year. And the, the, the undergirding, this whole thing is one thing. Clean energy is good. Lowering emissions is good. However you want to take an organization wants to take that uh, message forward and to, and to expand upon that, that's up to them. That's not national clean energy. We, they don't, we, that's not what we need to do. We just want to create an opportunity to to create awareness about the value of clean energy. And there is a lot of value, as we know, in clean energy advancement. Yeah, and it's such a diverse group of speakers. I think folks should check out nationalcleanenergyweek.org. If you haven't signed up, uh, definitely sign up. This is coming out in sort of parallel with that. And you know, you've got folks like Paul Tonko, who've been, who've been a great advocate on the left, and Senator Murkowski on the right, talking about, um, talking about these issues. I think it's very very exciting and a really an important dialogue. And your your main audience here is Washington, right? It's like, how do you in, in how do you sort of uh, focus the message on on getting those folks to take action? Yeah, Washington, but also we've partnered with some state groups as well to bring okay. some of the the more local issues into place. And because we all know there's a you know, what's happening, federal affects state, and state can affect federal, right? Um, oh, of course. And you're know, thinking about issues like um, net metering or siting issues that we've had, property rights issues we're bringing into this this year. And from a you know a corporate, but also a right of center, how Republicans can engage in these issues is a lot of what we're doing. You know, there's a lot of support on the left from a lot of from these issues, generally expansion of clean energy. But we've, we've got to also bring that same uh, message and messenger down to the state and local levels as well. So we've got some um, case studies in states like from Colorado and Texas, um, from the, um, the Midwest and siting issues, from the Southeast and net metering issues. Um, so we've we've actually got a little something for everybody. But yes, then we also look at a higher level talking about finance and investment, for instance, um, and, and talking about innovation um, kind of at a national level since there's is where conversations tend to, to happen and can be most influential to um, get policy changed um, and get it downstream. Yeah. And what a diverse group of, uh, of organizations involved um, covering all spectrums. I think all parts of the industry, it's great. It just, it definitely is worth flipping through the participating uh, uh, organizations just to get a sense of, of uh, the the diverse diversity of voices that are coming to the table on this. So thank you so much for organizing. It's such an important conversation. Yeah, and we really want to invite your listeners. You know, there's a lot of ways to engage. One, you know, there's a policymakers symposium that we do every year. And this year with COVID, it's um, everything's virtual, but with that means that we get to you know, reach more people. And we've put a five day symposium on as opposed to one day. So that's really our all our major programming. Um, we're putting together in one place, but a lot of people are having events in their own areas. And you know, my goal, 
eventually would be if you know you're doing something in the clean energy space, you're just taking this week, even working with the, your staff and saying, we're doing good things here. Yeah. We're doing good things in clean energy and making it just a place for us to pause and remember the value that we're, we're doing and being that mission-driven. Some of us are still mission-driven in what we're doing. Right. And uh, it's nice to, to reflect upon that and the good work you're doing and, and sharing it with you know people you know. My children, I mentioned that at the top of our conversation, it matters. And I tell them about what mommy does. And they're very proud. I challenge everybody to, to listen at four o'clock on Monday to our Survive, Thrive, and Die panel where I'm talking with some great <laughs> finance folks. But there's just phenomenal panels and a lot to learn. You know, looking forward to the day we can actually fly in again and, uh, and advocate around this event. So just to step back, you know, let's, let's look out sort of post-November because obviously the whole Countries, you know, uh, sort of locked up, thinking about what's going to happen in November. You know, what's what's ahead for for America on these issues, uh, and you know, how when will we really begin to see some bipartisanship begin to emerge on clean energy and climate policy? Well, I think we have to find those common denominators, and you know, I've talked about the economic piece of it, and I think that's a huge getting America back to work is a pretty important part. I think what we're seeing um, now is we're seeing a lot of research on and information about how robust the energy sector, clean energy sector has been, um, how it's been growing and outpacing the uh, other growth in other areas of the economy and how it's you know taken a beating in some areas, but also sure. it's been fairly resilient too. Like how do we get people back to work with tomorrow's jobs, right? And the clean industry sector is it. It's not the, it's not the only place. But if you're thinking about getting Americans back to work, whether it's in the rural areas or the urban areas, at every state and every district in America, clean energy is there. And I mean, that's, that is amazing. pretty amazing and exciting for anybody who wants to problem solve. Um, and we'd like to think our elected leaders <laughs> will get excited by that. Yeah, hope <laughs> and, we can get back to that after the election. But. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, I, I, the, 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 the the politics right now, um, you have to have pretty thick skin right now. But on the other side of that, we know uh, that Americans want to see something done. And I think you know, the polling that Crest has, my organization has done over the last couple of years, Republicans are there on clean energy. And they're really For coming sure. around on climate change. So culture wars are, are really falling aside. I think it's how we get there is where you're starting to see the disagreements, right? So the climate and the science. I'll set aside the president. I know a lot of people will say the president says whatever, but everything's still going on. There's two ends of, of, of Pennsylvania Avenue. Um, right. Right. You know, so I, I think voice. there's, I, yeah. I, but I think there's just a lot that's, that's happening um, and people want it. I mean, consumers want it. So we know when consumers, they have a lot of power, voters, and when they want something, um, the market usually responds and that's, what's going to happen. So yeah, uh, it's just you know, being there, being ready and educating and advocating. Oh, excellent. Well, we hope to continue to, to share this message and have a similar conversation next year around uh, national clean energy week. In one final question I've got for you, Heather, I, I asked yeah. all my guests, if you could go back to yourself at Virginia beach, um, your senior year of high school or, or when you're graduating from college uh, in Washington, and could sit down and uh, just have a conversation. What would you tell yourself? Um, I would tell myself to be a little bit more patient with oh, uh, yeah. the process. Yeah, I was, yeah. um, I wanted, I, you know, I said, I wanted this lobbyist look pretty slick and, you know, you know, you just wanted something really fast sometimes. And, uh, it takes time. It takes yeah. time. You got to build, you got to build, you got to build your knowledge. And 
now, I mean, what I know now and how Washington works and to be effective is pretty incredible. I mean, not everything, but compared to where I was, uh, I really, we all wish we had the knowledge we did when we were younger, but there's, there's a, there's a patience part of this. I think that would have really, um, I would have benefited from. Yeah. Interesting. Well, Heather, first of all, thank you so much for the time and thanks for being a part of a, a guest here at Experts Only. I am thrilled to be with you and I hope we visit again soon. Absolutely. And, and again, I challenge all of our listeners to go to nationalcleanenergyweek.org and, and sign up to, to listen to some of these amazing conversations this week and hopefully next year take action and, and fly in to advocate for some of these issues. And I want to thank your team uh, and thank Ross in particular for helping to put this together. And our producer, uh, Carly Batten, as always, for helping to put together uh, these episodes. If for more episodes, you can go to cleancapital.com. And uh, I, as always, I look forward to continuing the conversation. Thanks. Thanks for listening in today's conversation. Find more episodes on cleancapital.com, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. We look forward to continuing our conversation on energy, innovation, and finance with you.